Join us for an upcoming AMSA event to enhance your professional development by engaging with experts, clinicians, and researchers in topics that are not well covered in your medical education. Spend time with Patch Adams at AMSA's Pre-Med Fest on January 30th and join us for AMSA's annual convention from March 31st through April 2nd. For more information, visit amsa.org events. Welcome to AMSA AdLib. I'm Christine, and here with us today is AdLib's Pete Thompson. Pete, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Christine. Something we hear from a lot of our members as future physicians is, how can I get involved in global health? How can I gain a firsthand insight into both the careers available and the clinical environment that comes with it? And also, how can I make an impact on the global health community? Pete, you had the opportunity to travel to New York City for AMSA's fall conference recently. And while you were there, you were telling me you had a chance to catch up with Pavitra Krishnamani, the author of one of our feature articles in the November-December issue of the New Physician magazine. Pete, can you share with us what we'll be talking about with Pavitra today? Absolutely. Pavitra was in New York to talk about refugee health rather than the topic of her article in the magazine. Uh, but given the timeliness right now of both, it was great to, to learn about them from her. Uh, the time she spent in India over the summer, which she outlines in the magazine article, is somewhat different than the traditional abroad experience, but I'll let her explain that. Well, hello. Uh, my name is Pavitra Krishnamani. I am a second-year medical student at Thomas Jefferson University, um, and I have a master's degree in global medicine from Keck School of Medicine at USC. I work quite a bit in global health, mostly in refugee health, um, but I also do get a chance to go abroad and do work there. So in the November-December issue of The New Physician, you talked about your experience in Chennai working at the Institute for Child Health. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I spent my summer in a city, Chennai, in a state, Tamil Nadu, in South India, um, working at the Institute for Child Health, which is located um, in Egmore's Children's Hospital, which is a government hospital in Chennai. It's really interesting because this is a hospital that provides uh, free or near free care for the underserved population in that region. And a lot of the patients that we saw were really from slum areas or they were from rural regions. And so I had a wonderful opportunity to interface with the physicians of the hospital, kind of learn where they're coming from, and also get a chance to know a lot of the patients and work with them. So how, how did you get involved? Like, how did you come across the, the opportunity and, and what, what kind of were you doing on the ground? Yeah, so some of my professors um, during my master's degree worked for UNICEF. And so I reached out to them, mentioned that I was really interested in going back to India. I'm originally from India and uh, doing some work there and helping out. And they put me in touch with some of their colleagues in UNICEF in South India. And that's how I got involved really with the project. Um, they invited me to come in and consult on a global health project that they were running, um, that the hospital was running with UNICEF's support. And uh, I had a wonderful time kind of bringing my own skill set to the table and helping individuals out there on the ground. So in terms of that skill set, were you, so you're talking about things that you were doing with them besides like clinical work. Right. So the way my days were generally structured is that in the mornings I would shadow uh, doctors and physicians that were there, kind of learn more about how the hospital worked, 
who the different key stakeholders were, and uh, actually work with patients, which was a great experience for me clinically because I haven't had any experience working in neonatology, and really I got to see the premature babies or the babies who are rushed in from rural regions uh, because of complicated deliveries. Um, And I got to see them in follow-up, which was especially exciting because I got to see how they progress over time, which was wonderful. Um, My evenings were generally consistent of me working with the different stakeholders to assess where the project was at that point in time and then define where we wanted the project to end up ultimately. And so I worked with them, had some discussions with folks from uh, the sick neonatal care unit in the Institute for Child Health, which is where I specifically worked, um, and also with folks from UNICEF and with doctors on the ground who were actually working with these patients and collecting this data on a day-to-day basis. So when I went to India this summer, I really wanted to help build this project, but also make it sustainable so that when I left, this project could still be successful and um, show wonderful results. I was there for a total of a month, which is not really enough to conduct an entire global health project in. It's really just enough to launch it. So in uh, talking with all of the individuals involved with the project, I was able to develop targets and objectives to achieve those targets um, for the global health project. And in the process of doing that, in being very inclusive about that process, I was able to get other people involved with understanding kind of what the process looks like and how they can replicate it. Afterwards, I also kind of went through what kinds of analyses we could do to achieve these objectives and achieve these targets. Um, And I also worked with them in uh, creating presentations and putting together representations of what this project means so that they could present their work and really show it off to people so that other, other people could understand what they were working on and use that information to really make sustainable changes in policy, not just in the Institute for Child Health, but also in other neonatal care units around India, which was the ultimate goal uh, for UNICEF for this project. Did you consider this to be a kind of a learning experience for yourself, or, or what were you looking to get back out of it for you? So I have been blessed with the opportunity to travel back to India many times in my life, uh, mostly for pleasure. My family immigrated to the U.S. from India before I was born. Um, but I never really had a chance to really go out there and interact, I think, with the society as much as I would have liked to. And this summer, I really had an opportunity to do that. I was very independent in how I got around. I used the transportation system that they had. Um, I'm bilingual, so I was able to kind of get around and communicate with people really well. Um, I, it was my first time really working with individuals who lived in slums or individuals who lived in rural regions and, and doing that to really give back to them. And that, I think, was really rewarding from a humanitarian perspective for me. But clinically, I learned so, so, so very much about how things are done there. And they are very different than how they are done in the U.S. But I think it's important to keep in mind that regardless of whether these physicians were in India or in the U.S., there's that same passion and that spark to help individuals that need it the most. And so I think that sometimes we're too quick to decry the methods of uh, countries that are not our own. And I don't think that's fair, really, to any country, India included, um, because I did see some things that were really well done in the infrastructural uh, scenario or constructs of India. Um, and I also saw some things that could have done, been done better. But that's also true of hospitals here in the U.S. Um, so while I was there, for example, I really got to see things like 
blood draws, um, where in the hospital that I worked in, because of the resources available, a blood draw was simply a hypodermic needle stuck into the vein of a child, and then kind of a milking of the vein, if you will, to get blood out of it, which is very different than the blood draws that we see here in the US. But they did try to make it as painless as, as possible for the child, and they paid attention to how the child was doing throughout. They made a lot of efforts to really uphold proper sanitation in the hospital. I mean, they cleaned the floors pretty regularly because they knew that with people stomping all around the place, there could be illness passed around to these premature babies. So I think they really did make an effort to accomplish all of these things, and they did accomplish them many of the times um, that I noticed. So, yes, I think that I really received from this experience and greater appreciation for how things are done in other countries and an understanding of how to approach those situations with a sense of cultural humility when we go out into these global health settings and work with these individuals. Because I think that's what's really important in promoting collaboration and really promoting global health instead of having different silos of different countries doing their own thing with very little communication between them. The central theme, really, of, of the article is about how in non-U.S. systems, so basically everywhere else in the world, there is difference in clinical care. You know, students, medical students, physicians shouldn't go into these systems and think of them as being somehow less when really it's just a matter of difference. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. It's important not to judge in life, but especially in these situations, because we have to acknowledge that the healthcare provided in every country, including our own, is a result of the history of that country and the history of the healthcare provided in that country. It's a result of the resources available in that country. And really, it's all done with one common goal, wherever you look. And so um, the idea that I was really trying to get across was talking about how, yes, things are done differently in India than they are done here, but they're done that way with a reason. And we can find pros and cons in every healthcare system and in every healthcare delivery experience, wherever we are in the world. And so when we go into another country and try to work within their system, we have to work within their system. We can't bring with us our own ideas and try to impose that into the system if that does not work. So yes, I do think it's important not to judge a country based on our own, because when something is foreign, it's very easy to exoticize it. And it's very easy to make an us versus them sort of delineation. But in healthcare, we all have the same end goal. So it should just be us. I don't think it should be us versus them when we go abroad and we do global health work. Do you have any advice or is there a mechanism, a thought exercise, something that when a student, they're going abroad, they're thinking about another system, and, and there's that inclination to create a us versus them divide. Is there something that they can do to kind of help them bridge that gap in their own mind? This is going to be a little contradictory to what I just said. I talked a little bit about idealistically how it should be, how it just should be us. But we're human, so we're always going to make an us versus them divide. And I'm going to you know, go out there and say, in my opinion, I think that's okay. But I also think it's important to go out there and say, okay, there is us versus them, but they're doing this for a reason. Let me try to understand that reason. So I think something that 
I uh, certainly did, and I had the privilege of growing up very much uh, exposed to this culture. But I think something that can be done even by anybody who wasn't really brought up in the culture of the country they're going to go work in is they can look things up about that country's culture, about that country's healthcare system. Um, and it's never going to be as realistic as the experience of actually being there. But having that sort of background and understanding um, how some of the parts of the system work before actually showing up in a foreign country is really helpful to understanding why physicians are doing things the way they are and why the healthcare system is the way it is. So I think definitely having that background, understanding the why behind it helps very much in being non-judgmental about what we see and what we experience. Um, and then once we're there, I think it's really helpful when we talk to the physicians. So this summer, I took a bit of a journalistic perspective on it. And I ended up talking to a lot of the physicians about what their thoughts were on neonatology, on their jobs, um, and what their perceptions were of their patients. Uh, why, why did you speak to this patient this way? Why did you um, do what you did here? How does this work in the larger scheme of things? Is this how it is in all of the hospitals? And kind of hearing those answers come from the individuals that actually face it on a day-to-day -day basis, the ones who are in the trenches, can really help us understand from a narrative perspective um, what these individuals experience and why it makes sense for them to practice medicine the way they do, even if it doesn't end up making sense to us after we hear from them. Your experience was a little bit different because you were working essentially in a capacity that you're qualified for, so it wasn't so much a study abroad as you were actually really helping the facility. But for medical students, and maybe this would apply to some pre-medical students who might be doing uh, – a study abroad experience to prepare themselves for for medical school or what have you. Um, for those who are kind of getting into a care situation or they may go someplace that offers some opportunities that may bend the ethical rules. So basically, if they're if they're going on experiences which are going to give them some clinical opportunities they wouldn't have in the United States because frankly they're not qualified to be doing that kind of thing. Um, I mean, do you have recommendations for how people should identify the the shortcomings, or what to do about it if they if they think it has if there are some ethical questions? Right. Um, I actually did face some of those ethical questions during my um, experience abroad, uh, and I know that different medical students will address this in different ways. So while I was in India, I did see some things that I did agree with. I did see some things that I didn't agree with. But I decided before working at the hospital that I was going to maintain the same ethical standards as I would with any patient I saw in the US. So if I ever took any photography of individuals, I would always ask them, make sure they understood, and then take the photo if they agreed to pose for the photo or to stand there or to let me take a video or the photo of them. Um, that was something that was very important to me because I wanted to protect these individuals' privacy, which even if there aren't laws against it in India, I wanted to make sure that for myself, since I'm coming in from elsewhere, I'm respectful of these individuals and make sure that I uphold their rights. Um, one of the dilemmas that I had was when I was asked to start taking care of some of these children. I was asked to actually start evaluating them uh, developmentally. And I knew that I was not qualified to do that or to answer those questions or to write notes. I mean, let alone the fact that I was new to that system, I was new to working with neonates. And so really, I was lucky to have a mentor who taught me how to evaluate the patient and then agreed to kind of watch over me as I did. 
So really, I found myself a preceptor in that situation. I asked the preceptor to make sure to check my work so that I wasn't doing anything wrong and I wasn't giving uh, my patients false hope or dashing their hopes without any real reason to do so. Another thing that might happen in a lot of these countries is really the perception that you are a doctor if you wear a stethoscope, which happened with me as well. The uniform of a physician essentially, unofficially, is a stethoscope in many countries. Nurses usually don't use them in a lot, lot of parts of these worlds, and that's true of the Institute for Child Health as well. And so I did have patients come up to me and ask me for interpretations of their blood test results or things of that nature. And I really didn't know how to read that for a premature newborn baby yet, nor was I going to give them an official report because I wasn't qualified to in this country and I didn't feel like I should be qualified to there as well in that situation. So I did look at it and prematurely determine kind of what I thought about it, and then I would talk to a physician about it and ask them to actually deliver the actual report because they were qualified to make sure that I was doing things right. When I saw um, things that I didn't agree with occurring, so for example, I think the biggest one would be patient-doctor interactions, there were some physicians there that were amazing just absolutely amazing. Like there are some physicians here that are absolutely amazing at talking with patients and understanding them. There were others that were more abrupt. And again, please keep in mind that that's also something that occurs here in the US. But when I did see uh, doctors who are abrupt with their patients, I did there what I would do here. I walked up to the patient afterwards and I asked them if they had any questions and then tried to address those concerns if they were something that were within my scope. So if there was some sort of a worry that the patient expressed through the visit that I felt was not addressed and I felt like it was something that I could address, I would go talk to them about it. Or if a patient maybe left feeling a little dejected or uh, was not, I guess, emotionally taken care of or spiritually healed during that visit, I would definitely go afterwards and try to comfort her. Um, and it, they were usually women because it was, a, it was a neonatal care unit. And so I... I really had a chance, I think, to connect with a lot of my patients that way and do what medical students can do in this country as well and just talk to the patient, really get to know them and make them feel better about being in the situation that they're currently in. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe to AMSA AdLib through iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give us a rating in the iTunes store. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself with help from Carol Clark. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Deborah Hall is AMSA's national president. Let us know what topics you'd like to hear covered on AMSA AdLib. Email us at adlib at amsa.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. AMSA Pre-Med Fest will not look, feel, or sound like any other pre-med conference because it is not a conference. Join us in Plant City, Florida on January 30th and spend time with Patch Adams, our Master of Ceremonies, as he helps you discover the thrill of helping others. Early bird registration closes January 10th. For more information, visit amsapremedfest.org.